0: Welcome to series two of the GM Moving podcast, where we share with you how we're enabling people to get moving. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting, and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester partners have been taking a whole system, place based approach to embed physical activity into everything for happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. I'm back today in Manchester Central Library, speaking to Claire Marshall from Oldham, and I'm rejoined by Richard, one of my colleagues at Greater Sport, who provides exec leadership for the local pilot network on place-based work. Oldham is estimated to be home to over 200,000 people. The latest Active Lives data published by Sport England suggests over 66% of the adult population in Oldham are now moving for at least 30 minutes a week. The latest data for children and young people, however, suggests that up to 40% of children and young people are not achieving the recommended 30 minutes of physical activity a day. Activity rates in Oldham were badly hit by the Covid pandemic with a prolonged local lockdown. Rates of inactivity rose particularly sharply amongst Black, South Asian and other minority ethnic groups. The latest data however suggests good signs of recovery. So let's join Claire and Richard for this episode's conversation to hear how local leads are working in partnership with local people and developing a culture of listening and feedback. So we're going to get stuck in. So over to you really, Claire, but first of all, kind of a bit personal really in terms of why moving matters to you.
1: I have always enjoyed sport from a young age. I did everything. I did every club possible, whether that was playing badminton on a Friday night with a bunch of oldies, um, swimming, walking, running. I just had lots of energy as a child and I absolutely loved it and it's something throughout my youth even as a teenager when there was other distractions and some of your friends tailed off that I really really loved especially team sports there's something for everybody for me it was always about something you could do with other people I got a lot of social interaction through physical activity so that was my enjoyment was a time that you could um, spend with your friends doing something you enjoyed so that's something throughout my life I've Drawn in my personal life, but also taking it into a, a, a career, I guess, because it's something I believe that I can speak to other people about in quite a passionate way. So that that's that's kind of my story. And as I've I've got older, it's kind of evolved. the things that I'm involved in have sort of changed. Um, nothing very serious, but uh, even if it's just going to the park with your kids and picking up a tennis racket, I love being able to do that, and I think the fact that I was able to do that as a child means as you get older, if you've got a certain level of skill that you can connect with a ball, it's still nice being able to, to do that. So that's why I, I'm sort of so passionate about young people, even from a young age, being able to master basic skills in something, because you can carry it on as you get old like me. However that looks <laughs> and you've got your own kids, haven't you? How old yes. are they? So I've got a 14 year old an 11-year-old, oh, and it was 12 today, it's his birthday today, Aww, and a 7-year-old, so we've got lots of footballers, they all like football in our house, and I, I suppose football was one of the things, I had two brothers and a dad, and we're all massive Liverpool fans, so i was sort of brought up with that, and probably got more into it as I've got older, because of, because of my boys, um, and, and I've got, uh, my partner's also a, a PE teacher, so we're, we're quite a sporty household, but... I wouldn't like think we're too competitive. Sometimes you get that ultra competitive. We we do it because we we enjoy it. So our our week consists of running around, um, ticking them to fixtures and training. But I love that, and it's something that because I got joy from it that I wanted to make sure that my kids had those opportunities as well. I guess so. That's my
0: sort of personal story, I guess. So you've been involved in more competitive sport, haven't you, Richard?
2: Yeah, I've um, competed at a decent level and competitive sports probably where I get my uh, kicks, I guess. So either that's against someone as it was last night um, when I played badly at golf and had a tantrum or <laughs>
1: do you throw your clubs do
2: I throw my clubs I throw everything but the clubs because the clubs are really expensive uh, so yeah. a couple of plastic bottles went last night <laughs> and a couple of golf balls because they're not quite as expensive and or competing against myself, so you know, time trials or gym or something like that so yeah I'm the, I'm a hyper competitive person so yeah board games are probably the board game would be flipped and I yeah, would be walking I've, out
0: I've never finished a game of Monopoly in my life no
2: not unless I cheated in which yeah. case, it's fine.
0: It's okay, I just win, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, we're all learning something about each other anyway. Great. So, in terms of your role then, so can you tell us a little bit about your role in Oldham, what that looks like. So,
1: my role
0: in Oldham, so obviously I sort of coordinate
1: the local pilot work and then probably, my job title is is a sport development officer, but that job title has probably been in place for the last 15 years uh, and it's not it's not relevant it's something that needs to be looked at and when people ask me what what I do they don't really understand it and and my my way to describe it is every day looks totally different so um yesterday I met a lady from one of our community partner organizations in Alexandra Park so she um is a community worker for Fatima Women's Association. We had a walking meeting talking all things, walking uh, things around uh, culturally, things that are difficult for them because we were talking about cycling, which you'll be interested in, Eve, um, about getting more ladies from the community on bikes, trying to challenge some of those stigmas. Another day, I'll be having a conversation with uh, partners around a football facility. Every day is, is varied and in terms of that I've been called a sport development officer now we see ourselves as just being those real advocates of moving whatever that looks like so it may be supporting a community group it may be working alongside a a stakeholder about how we can join them up to me it's still a development it's still a development role it's just evolved where we just don't talk about sport as much anymore it's the, the whole discussion around around movement and movement for good I guess is is where I enjoy the role because it's that advocacy role which I think is, is really important. So,
2: She said she's a sports sportswoman coordinator, I think she's a bit more or coordinator <laughs> of the local pilot um, a bit more than that, much more of a, a lead, figurehead convener, facilitator supporter of the work and of the organisations and of the people in that place
0: And what are your main goals in the role then? What are you seeking to achieve? For
1: me again it is that ad- advocacy role, It's for it's to work with people now who don't traditionally get physical activity You see it as being part of the day role and having conversations with them when they start to say things and you go, something's clicked there. And that could just be, like you say, it could be something really small that they say about something that they've started to build in, that they do, or conversations that they've, they've had with people. Whether we can say that through the work I do, but I think it's that, um, that wider ripple effect Especially around the mental, the mental health, people starting to say, "I know that if I do something, I start to feel better," and I think that's really, really nice that we're starting to 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 have that because I think for a while I kind of felt that people still would go back to physical activity. Or physical activity is not for the people we work with; it's not our day job. I think more and more we're starting to. see and feel that change in people to go well actually it could just be about a really short conversation or something that they change in how they work with somebody for example more people haven't walk in meetings I mean how how great is that we've been stuck indoors through COVID and I think they're probably a bit more productive if I'm
0: totally honest.
1: Um, so can
0: you tell going back to I guess the local pilot and the role yeah. the local pilots played in that and the approach what difference has that made?
1: I think again it's about pulling people together so we've had a place a place-based approach pulling people together who again have not necessarily had physical activities the day job and the approach that we've taken whereby really really involving local people in those conversations really giving the power back to them um and it's approach that have wanted to take around the sort of uh, co-production and, and place-based working but I think the difference being that the local pilot von has been a bit ahead of that so it's the learning that we're starting to see about the approach we, we've taken with, with the community groups um, really taking on board what they've told us that people come in and talk to us and then it's the so what we don't see them where we don't hear from them and we've really worked with them to go this is what you've told us what are you What can we do to help you do something about it now? And I think that's been a learning curve for them because they've kind of been so used to either people not doing anything about it or having things done for them. That's been a challenge in itself to kind of go, no, hold on, it's not for us to come and do all this for you. We're really starting to learn something and and understand something from that. And we're starting to see that. Um, So we've got another project, um, The Active Through Football. And I think the reason we, we got that funding was because we were able to reference what our learning and understanding from the local pilot and we wanted to almost have a similar type of model doing something a bit different but using a similar type of approach and model in a different place mm-hmm. so again the medium was football as a form of physical activity but how we actually were in- engaging and really involving local people in that approach
2: So the local pilot always has always come with investment so there was an investment into each locality across Greater Manchester and very early on Oldham were keen to emphasize a cashless investment so the idea the initial idea of a cashless investment has been the ethos behind all the work in oldham all the way through and that's what's driven a lot of the conversation so it's not starting with we've got x and therefore we're going to come in and deliver all this good activity it started with what do you want to do why do you want to do it where do you want to do it how do you want to do it how are we going to do it and then there is a conversation further on down the line that goes well we can help start some of that But there has to be a buy-in, an equal buy-in from the community and from the other wider organisations, whether that be a community organisation or other departments within Oldham Council, to enable that to, to spin off and start. So whilst there was they knew there was funding available to be utilized, we don't want to necessarily want to have to rely on that because we know from our experiences that investment leads to activity which isn't sustainable because as Claire's rightly said, people expect people to come someone to come in and do for them. So the model has always been and it's one which seems to have evolved and grown not just in Oldham but across other places and localities in in GM and wider around actually the investment is there to turn the cogs of a conversation, but the emphasis is on the community. To build in sustainability, the emphasis is where we've, is working alongside and with the community to understand, really understand the challenges, the barriers, and then collectively come up with a intervention and or solution which is sustainable because the community have bought into it. And it's just been good to see that evolve over the last two, three, four years.
1: I can remember being in in, in meetings, and we were sort of quite well through good few months into the pilot and it was only like a community member said how much money is there actually so it wasn't something that they'd even talked about at the beginning they just knew that there was the local pilot and it was around physical activity and that was really mm-hmm. refreshing thought, well, I've been to quite a few meetings and yeah they, not, nobody has sort of asked mm-hmm. and then the challenge is when they find out how much money they uh, immediately they, they go almost back to oh Facilities and hold on a second, this is not... not, You can build a facility, but if you've not got the changing mindsets and behaviours, people are not necessarily going to go to that. Those were sort of difficult conversations. Um, I think you'll probably remember some of those, Richard, which we've managed to, I I think, overcome with with the community. And that challenge will always
0: be there because people will always want more in their place. That difference between starting with what really matters or starting with this is what the money is and the pot of money is that often gets in the way and you then see don't need people going on a mission to spend the money yeah happens so often as opposed to going on a mission to try and achieve the things that really matter
1: so just to give you an example of where we've really listened to what the community have said really taken on board that you talk to us and things don't happen so we had really good engagement from the community early on we went into COVID we were quite conscious that we didn't want to over but actually we kept in touch with the community but a lot of the community members we were talking to were also involved in community champions they had been involved in the COVID response they're on different committees and they they were sort of saying to us it's brilliant that you want to involve us in this but People want to involve us in lots of other things as well. And we just don't have the time to think about it. So we initiated, let's have those conversations then under one banner. So let's talk about what is important to you in your place under one banner of which physical activity may or may not be important. That's something that we're going to have to take a bit of a punt on and see where it goes. Luckily for us... It did come out as being something which was important to people when we got them in that room. And we've started to sort of formulate a plan with them, which started off sort of being called One Glodic. It, w- it was being driven by, sort of being supported by Action Together and the, the district team, which is a council team. And that has that now evolved where the community have said, we want to have ownership of that plan ourselves, And we want to lead on it. And them actually saying, we will become an organisation ourselves, of an umbrella organisation, where we're not competing against each other, which is something that, again, was always a challenge in that community. And we decide who would be best placed to tackle that particular issue or to take on a particular project, but we'll do it under, under one banner. So that, again, is where the local pilot has stimulated that if... The local pilot wasn't in place, would that have happened? No, I don't think it would have done. It gave us the time and the ability under that test and learn to go, let's try out this approach. For people that don't know Gladick, how can you paint a picture of this place? Um, It's very densely populated. On the edge of it, there is a beautiful green space um, called Alexandra Park. There is access to to sort of bridleways and cycleways, Um, but there's a lot of terraced housing. Predominantly, people from South Asian background, looking at it from a deficit, which is what's happened within that community, uh, some of the poorest health stats, some of the highest poverty rates, low education, so on, so on, so on. You could paint quite a bad picture. And I think Oldham does get sort of a bad bad press, sort of that, that central Oldham, you know, if, everything's doom and gloom. However, from a strength base, approach thinking about that place. There are so many people in that place who want to show Glodic in a different way that are really really passionate about making a change for other people that live there for their children. So people that work and live in that that place, people who are trusted, who know the community really, really well. And when they talk about it, talk about it in a really passionate way and they want their children and young people to have a different outlook on life they want things to be better there's a lot of people who are have got real real skill sets in that community and I think it should be a community that should be celebrated for what, what they have achieved rather than people looking at it in a, neg- a negative mindset which is why when we started out in this journey we had two places we had Glaudic and Failsworth and glorit just it just sort of morphed that we had more focus on glorit because there was so much energy to want to change that place that we've kind of kind of gone with that energy i guess and it's not without its challenges because it's the same you've got one community group that might not necessarily get along with that community group but i think even through this approach they're more willing to work with each other in in a different way, you know, the, just by pulling together um, the different women's groups, we, we had a session. We got them all together, and even in that small space, that they didn't necessarily you know what the other one did, uh, where they were based, and that that was quite nice because they were able and you know able to think about how they could join up and support each other, and actually a lot of the things that they're talking about are similar issues. It's just that they've they've been linked to one, one community group or one mosque over over another one. So 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 that's been a really really positive experience that I think through the pilot we've helped sort of bring about.
0: And any particular moments then of joy? I think for me
1: it's just little nuggets of conversations that people in that community that you know start to, to tell you. So I remember last year and I had a conversation with somebody from one of the community groups, and it was during Ramadan, and she said, Do you know, Claire, do you know um, what some of the girls are doing before they break fast? You'll love this, she says. They go and knock on each other's doors, and they say, Come on, we're going for a walk before they break fa- break, we break a fast. And she was amazed at that, and I went, Wow, that is... That is fantastic. I absolutely love that because so often we hear, you know, everything just stops during Ramadan. People can't but but these these ladies have gone on a journey whereby they really know how important one, that social interaction and also having that walk. And even though they were fasting, you know, they've not had water for so many hours, you know, they had sort of four hours of, of darkness, you know, because it was in the middle of summer, they were still going out for a
0: walk. I love that. I absolutely love that. It's shifting your attention, isn't yes, it? So yes. It's shifting attention to, well, what did that, the point that that woman came and told you, what does that tell you? And it tells you there's a new relationship there, there's a trusted relationship, her pride, her ownership over what she's doing, and all those indicators that something is going to be far more sustained and those ripple effects are going to be there as opposed to just an intervention that that drops in and then is yes. likely to stop and end there. And the lady I was with yesterday and we were talking about cycling, And uh, she was
1: talking about cycling in the park and she says, I got so many odd looks. You know, they have seen an Asian lady with a hijab on she says, I don't care and I I want to make more ladies Mm. feel like me and go, It's okay. I want to help make that change. These are the people that we need to support to make them feel like, Yeah, you can do this and we're gonna help you do that. Whatever you need to help take other people on that journey. So
0: they're the real change makers. Absolutely. So there's a there's a a few things there. There's um, starting off with what matters to you, Yeah, you convening and connecting people within that place um, and identifying and spotting, it sounds like, some of those key, key kind of catalysts within the community who are going to get others and motivate them and get them moving.
2: The one thing probably which wasn't mentioned was the Community Investment Fund, which the partnership with Action Together has been really, really strong. And the ability to invest directly into community groups Again, based on what they want, trying to streamline application processes, trying to streamline the governance processes around that. We're not talking like large sums of money here. We're talking small amounts of investment, which make huge change in a place, which has facilitated a lot of the different activities and groups. But again, it's the small investment leading to the sustainable activity. Olden were one of the first to, to go down that route. And now you see across GM, nearly every locality has a community investment fund of some description. And it's all been borne off the fact that we previously have made the forms very complicated, the language very difficult. In fact, the language probably isn't the first language in which many of these groups are working or using that we have made it more personable in, in terms of it's actually not about what's on the written paper, but having a conversation with someone to the point that it's influenced... Nationally, some of the Together Fund or Tackling Inequality Fund. And it's all been born out of small parts. So Oldham, Trafford, Greater Manchester, the other local pilots doing things differently and influencing it at a, at a national level.
1: Yeah, we don't even call it a grant a, a grant fund now, it's an ideas yeah. an ideas forum. So we will work with that community group or whoever to help support them to put that idea together. And again, that's through listening to people saying either we don't have the time. Or they would send us something in and we would have to go all against our existing criteria and our scoring, that wouldn't get through. But we know that they've got a good idea and we know that there's the will to deliver on it. So we evolved that. So getting it was listening to what people were saying and the processes we were going through. How do we make this easier? So we had the idea of a sponsor, so there will be a named sponsor on that, the person that's worked with that group or community to help them develop that idea, giving them some advice along the way. If we feel that there may be other funding that might be able to be tapped into for that. I had one the other day, it was a youth group and they they, they put in for a a PS5 (laughs) and I was... "Mm." Let's just say they're not conducive to physical activity. So I've had to provide some challenge on that to go, that's fine if every youth group really wants that. Well, PlayStation PlayStation, five, PlayStation right, five. with you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they look to a different part of one, but But that, that's fine, we can walk with them to ex- explain why. But that's probably the only time I've, I've, <laughs> I've had to do it. Um, I'm quite pleased at how we have evolved um, to make it easier so you're
0: changing processes, changing the way investment flows, yeah. changing communication. Well, sounds great. You've got it sorted. Definitely not. <laughs> so on then, what are some of the outstanding kind of key challenges?
1: I suppose a challenge that I have felt in more recent times is that we're doing this really, really great work. But then it's been kind of the so what? So where do we go and who do we tell about this this really great work? Who do we go to now and how do we get this recognised? So that has probably been a challenge and a frustration. However, I do think that things are starting to change. Um, and sometimes it's reflecting because you get quite, you don't feel like things are, are moving or changing. And sometimes that's your old way of thinking that you don't necessarily see something physical And for me, it's been a learning curve and taking that time to reflect and go, actually, the conversation that you had with somebody about how people's mindsets are starting to change, how they view things differently. So I think that that's been a a personal challenge for me to, to go, Okay, just just because we've not seen lots of funded um, tennis sessions in Alex Park, for example, that doesn't mean that we're not starting to make a difference. Um, a challenge is always that things, sometimes I feel are too slow. And again, it's having to take the time to go, you no know, be be brave in the approach that we've taken in terms of working with real people in a real place rather than it being some council-led um, initiative that... It is gonna take time because these are people that've got other other bits of the day job and and sometimes there's red tape that stop that stops you from doing that. What kind of red tape? Well one of the, the ways we got round our red tape with it, the the community investment fund was by going to action together. So we knew as council that in order to get money out to groups quickly, we had too much red tape in the council, for example, all the processes and the governance you have to go through to have a supplier, for example, that 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 is an example of red tape. But how we got around it was by using action together. So, for example, a community group asking about um, we, we had one around some land. They, they identified a patch of land, and nobody seems to know. What, why this piece of land can't be built on so that's uh, who owns it it was up for sale there was somebody who proposed to build some synthetic pictures on it it was a private investor that was stopped and a frustration from the community because they go it's the council that are stopping everything and then those who are kind of in the middle who want to be an enabler go sometimes that's just a red tape that we can't we can't always get over we will try our best to find out why but I think that's where that can be frustrating because as soon as you say you offer a council, people just go, "Oh god, well it's never going to happen." Then that so that that's what that's one example. But I think how we get around that is by being as transparent and honest with community members as you can.
2: The local pilot frees people because it doesn't have any real performance measures wrapped around it. So it frees thinking. It frees up people to be different do different and be innovative but that in itself brings its own challenge because actually traditionally when you had you know deliver five ten fifteen tennis sessions that's a measure you can see you can count yeah. that freedom brings its own challenge so we're not only having to think about the measure we're having to think about the understanding of those individuals involved in the work and those who are looking in on the work to understand how it works why aren't you measuring and if you're not measuring what are you doing the, uh, what are you doing question comes up quite a lot and then and then alongside that there's the narrative so how do you how do you tell the story of the work who wants to hear it and how do they want to hear it so all, those are all the things which I haven't just been sat in Oldham but have been sat centrally and in all the other localities and we're still working our way through that in terms of the, the measurement and the evaluation the learning in terms of that reflection I mean if you said to someone, I'm going to spend some time reflecting, they'd probably look at you in a very odd type of way and say, aren't you just too busy to do that? Well, actually, no, because reflection is a really important part of what we do now, and understanding why things are or are not working the way we want them to work or understanding what changes or impacts we've seen this week, like like those small minutiae, someone coming to speak to you about going out before fast and breaking fast and doing the walk, that's a huge change, but people won't necessarily see that as a change because it's not... A hundred people walking down the street. So there's there, there are things where we you know we recognise that we need to support collectively to say no that's right keep on that path you're doing the right things you're going the right way don't fall back into that mindset of we need to see you know a hundred tennis sessions because those hundred tennis sessions probably engage a hundred people who are doing other things as well and uh, not engaging potentially not engaging those who who will sit on the outside and look in and go it's not for me
0: so it's come up over and over again in all the podcasts and in conversations around this kind of in what are the indicators of progress and both to be able to tell others and indicate the value of the work but particularly as people working in this space everyone wants to go home at the end of the day don't you and you give a lot to it and have a sense of achievement and pride so how have you personally as a leader in this space found a way to navigate that so that you can hold on to a sense of, yeah, I'm, I'm making a difference here without having those numbers and those counts that traditionally we've held on to? I think one of those for me is when you go into some of the, the spaces in the community
1: and you see people using those spaces for different forms of physical activity. So whether that be families, playing, whether it be people walking, whether it seen at a tennis court being used, that change in mindset around this is okay to do this, this is something that people are building into their lives. I think that, for me, is a real thing. That's how I would, you know, if you, if you sort of determine what success could, could look like. So whether that's in a workspace or people being more active and as sort of senior leaders advocating that it's okay to have, like you say, walking meetings, away in your trainers. I mean, those are those are those are massive things, aren't they? But it's not just about that people advocating, it's people telling you about it, feeling proud about making those changes. I think that for me is a real a real indicator of change, particularly in those communities that we're working in where we know there are barriers, we know there are challenges. Um, but actually for some of those people that is a really really big a big step change for them because it's something that they, it's just so alien to them
2: yeah the conversations changed in in this local pilot steering group so it's it shifted from one which felt at the very beginning quite transactional so it was the council who were leading it mm-hmm. and was and almost everyone was looking at the council as having the power and therefore the council will tell us what to do and we'll sit back and passively accept that Um, to one which is not much more I guess it's more of a natural conversation now there's the partners around and stakeholders around the table are more engaged in trying to understand themselves what a potential solution stroke intervention could be to a challenge let's take for example the last conversation we were in was around the green gyms and why some of the green gyms in the parks weren't being used now additionally that would have fallen on the council to go well we know why and it's because people aren't we aren't advertising them properly and there aren't trainers there so get someone out there and do that well actually this time Claire and Patesh took a bit of a back step on that and just went they're not being used let's discuss and now collectively they've come up with trying to create some maps of where those parks are trying to do some Advocacy in terms of getting uh, OCL to have some trainers up there who are going to support groups of people to get those green gyms active. If people can see people using them, they might be more inclined to use them themselves. To so having some sort of information QR code posters up there so they can then use technology to begin to think about how do we use this. So that wasn't a council decision, it wasn't a council solution, it was a collective solution, which then should lead to again, getting back to that cashless investment and that sustainability, the community taking more ownership of that space and of that park and of that opportunity to be more active. Um, so that's probably been the biggest shift that I've seen in the three, four years. Um, and and the, I suppose the other one is just momentum. Clearly COVID, we haven't mentioned yet, but COVID did get in the way. It did slow a lot of the work down, it did because of the communities that were engaged and they were predominantly those communities who were probably having the biggest impact in terms of the pandemic in terms of the information they were getting the trust they had in the system to know what to do and where to go but now what we're beginning to see i think is those communities coming back into a conversation around how do we become active we know activity is a thing is a is a rehab from covid we know that that's important to us we know our mental health has been challenged through this period how do we use physical activity and now now they want to they want to have the conversation so they're approaching claire and the team and others as opposed to claire and the team going into the community and going right then come and speak to us they're going no we want to speak to you we want you in our place now to have these conversations and and develop the work
1: so the cycling that's a classic one we were due to do some land ride indoor cycling just before covid hit and it all had to be put on hold. And one of the ladies for me she says, when are we going to get this cycling up and running again? We've got ladies desperate to do it. They're going, right, okay. So, yeah, that's just an example where, you know, they'll, they'll come to you and, and say, yeah, we've, we've got we've got this de- desire to do something. And that's where you want to help them to go, right, I'll try and facilitate that. I'm not doing it for you. So even things like, you know, if you're insistent having us a closed session, we're going to have to pay for it. No, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. I said, well, even if you did it as a digital skills session where the ladies can come together and you can work with them to book each other on the the course, whereas in the past, I think the inclination would have been just to do it for them. We'll sort everything out for the ladies where they go, no, that's fine. So that in itself was quite nice because I think that's a shift where again they're used to either doing everything for their their users or their clients or their members
0: it's a very quite. it's quite a big shift really yeah. in where yeah. power is and where people perceive they have power because we often give it up by thinking we don't have any and yeah. you know it all sits with somebody else and again often that's a whole load of misconceptions in that that somehow the council own all the property or yeah, all, all the yeah, land and, yeah. and hold all the money and obviously that's not true it's it's distributed, there's a whole load of other partners and leaders and complexities and all of that um, but supporting people it sounds like to really have a sense of their power and ownership um, and helping that to then facilitate change in the things that they really care about Yeah, fantastic so What are the key things that you'd really like to see change? That across the board, so whether that is somebody
1: talking to a family member, talking to somebody within a service, so um, a job support service, somebody going to a GP, that everybody feels comfortable to talk about physical activity and moving more, and that people know enough about our system that that person goes away from whether that's a GP or a job club or whatever to, to know that it's okay to do something and where they could do it I think that's a really really key thing is that we don't want it to be somebody else's business so we don't want somebody to go oh it's something to do with physical activity I'll send you through to, to Claire we want it to be everybody else's business to go it's just important that we get our population to move more so people feel comfortable I think so That that's one thing is that across the board whoever whoever is out there so like, like we said that we have all these advocates for For physical activity that we get to the point that we almost don't need to do that because people will be moving more but we're not at that point yet so we still need it to be verified and sometimes it needs to be verified by people with perceived power um you know professionals and sometimes it needs to be family members so everybody has different people that they they go to but i want everybody to feel comfortable to talk about physical activity and to change that mindset that oh i'm not a sporty person because this is not what this is about. And that that's still a challenge because we're still on that, you know, moving away from it just being about going to gyms or playing football. And like I say, for physical activity be, to be normalised, to make it much easier in these spaces for people to be able to do that as well. I think that's that's a massive a massive thing and a lot of that, that's structural. But if we were having the conversation with people about moving more and at the same time those spaces feel more welcoming hopefully they'll kind of go go hand in hand together
2: i think there is a huge energy around oldham at the moment at the from a senior leadership within the council communities through the community organizations through the individuals i think there's a real energy and drive and desire to be different and do different and think different as claire said earlier that Traditionally, older in terms of their active lives, data hasn't necessarily been at the highest level, and again, it's been compounded by COVID. But I believe, and what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling from that locality, that will change quite quickly. I think there's a real system approach to the challenge, not the challenge of physical activity, but the challenge of health and well being. And I think Claire and the and the team have a real opportunity to embed and work fetal activity into those conversations more and more and more it's not necessarily the team going to have the conversations but the conversations coming to the team i think oldham's a hotbed of innovation at the moment and and thinking and approach and i just would love to see that continue i think there's enough information there's enough good stories there's enough learning to be able to share that in a broader context and also taking some of the learning that we've seen in Gloddick in and in Falesworth and being able to show that and use that in other parts of Oldham, both in terms of locality but also parts of the Oldham system. So I'm thinking there about health, um, you know, in particularly with you know, GPs, etc., social prescribing, um, and taking that sort of learning of how to engage, ways to co-produce, ways to co-design, how to um, capture learning and reflect, applying that in different spaces now and seeing you know what that means what that leads to and where that where that takes the work great so it's gonna be
0: everyone's business yeah it wants to be everybody's business yep everyone's got a role to play and all those spaces feel welcoming and inclusive for everybody to get stuck in
1: you know if i'm going out and about i just want to see more people just moving around that's the aspiration however that looks and I want to hear more conversations from other people about things that people have done and like I say it may only be small changes but I love hearing people talking about where they've they've changed the behavior because I'm so passionate about physical activity in any of its forms and whether that be whatever it is rock climbing or gardening or whatever it is I just think there's something for Somebody, everybody, there's something that they will find, so whether that's putting on some music and dancing in the kitchen, I just think it' it gives me joy, and I think I think anybody getting up and moving around can just can do the same, so when I just hear those little conversations, that just gives me a lot of joy, and that's when I want, I want everybody to get some of those endorphins that I think i've I get from when I do any kind of movement or physical activity, so joyful, joyful,
0: yeah, woo. <laughs> <laughs> can't beat that, really, can
1: you?
0: It's a more joyful future.
1: And I think that's the thing, you know. I know I was talking a bit happy clappy there, but I suppose what, my point there is that we know that there are people in our communities who live, you know, in really difficult circumstances. And, you know, we quite often have conversations, you know, when you talk to someone they go, you know, these are people at crisis point. You can't go and talk to them about physical activity. But that's not what what we're about you know it, you know if it, it is around something that they can do to support the mental well-being if that somebody who can be supported to get out the front door that's moving you know somebody that that, that can be supported to um meet a friend who wouldn't who wouldn't go out somebody who's got you know health health problems or perceived health problems they can't do something and they can be supported to go to a physio session or like, like it could, could be anything moving out the chair that is progress so i don't want to make light of the fact that we know that we've got but, you know, we are working with some really really um you know people who are who, we're never going to get them to the point of going to the gym. But if it can make a difference by getting them to move more to um, their health and well-being, and they can start to go on a journey. We're not going to get everybody on those on all those journeys. And I think the, what what COVID did give us is, like I say, these network of people and leaders in those communities who are the ones who we'll have those conversations with those people who they will listen to, who they respect, not us, you know, they, they you know, they don't, they don't know us, we, 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 you know, we may not have things in, in common with them, but if we can find that commonality in terms of the conversations and the language that we're using that makes it relevant to that person. So the physical activity becomes a byproduct, just to help that person out, even if it's for a really short period of time that would be a real step forward for for Oldham I think so
0: wonderful well it's been a joy talking to you both honestly it's been lovely really enjoyed the conversation so thank you thanks for you doing and um yeah more of those conversations people feeding back and involving you in great stuff and I look forward to seeing where this energy and this drive in Oldham leads to so thank you thanks thank you thanks for listening to this GM Moving podcast episode we've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life. Now, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, or on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag, DMMovingInAction. Moving in Action. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who will find it useful. And join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.